Good afternoon, Chico. It's the Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA, on a lovely Chico afternoon. And I'm really glad to be here. I got all kinds of great, interesting news for you. As you know, I'm your, I'm your watchman. I'm out here to help you with your money any way I can. I can help you with income tax planning. I can help you with bookkeeping for your small business. But I can also help you with some advice because I'm going to bring you another set of interesting news that you need to know that I can pretty much guarantee, unless you've been jotting down my recommendations of places to read over the last few weeks, I guarantee you have not heard the news that I will bring you today. And it all has to do with your money and how to not lose it. So that's where we're going today. I've got all kinds of interesting topics. Now on the business of, how about the business of the Second Amendment? This is a real interesting action by the Supreme Court. I never heard about it until I found this particular article. It is from a website called thefederalist.com. And what it's what it's detailing is the fact that the Supreme Court just recently refused to hear a case that is a state outlawing uh, semi-automatic weapons. And the point is, is that there is precedent in other cases where if it's a legal weapon... They have to kind of honor that when they when they do their decisions. In this particular case, they decided not to even hear it. Now, I personally, I'm not a big gun person, but I do believe in the Second Amendment. And I think anybody who's interested in this should know about this decision that they made. And what it is, is they decided not to decide. The Supreme Court gets requests of appellate cases that people want them to hear, but they can either take them or leave them. And they, of course, they can't do that many cases. There's probably thousands that are offered to them, and they only pick a few. But this one's kind of interesting, so I just wanted to go over this in case, like I say, I guarantee you haven't heard about this unless you've been reading some of the places I've been recommending that you go. So it says, uh, it's called Colby versus Hogan. While it was but one of four circuit court decisions to have upheld state or local bans on semi-automatic rifles, this case differed greatly from its predecessors. In Colby, a case challenging Maryland's assault weapon ban, the full Fourth Circuit held that the AR-15 and the semi-automatic AK-47 and other banned semi-automatic rifles are, quote, not constitutionally protected arms because they are, quote, weapons that are most useful in military service. Conversely, the 2nd, 7th, and D.C. circuits all held semiotic rifles are protected by the Second Amendment, yet bans were still justified by the governmental interests supposedly advanced. So what, what this is saying is that uh, Colby's analysis directly conflicts with the Supreme Court's holding in Heller that the Second Amendment protects, quote, firearms commonly used for a lawful purpose. The prevalence of lawfully used AR-15s clearly meets the Heller standard for garnering Second Amendment protection. So what I'm just trying to say, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this today. What I'm trying to tell you is that they are now ignoring their own decisions of the past and making up new law as they go. And that's the importance of this decision called Colby. So anybody who's real interested in gun control laws and Second Amendment rights, uh, you should look into this case called Colby because it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a scary one for anybody who may be uh, an owner of uh, those type of weapons. Not that I'm saying they're great, but I still am of the opinion that it's not the weapons that kill people. It's the people who are allowed to, to own them. And uh, that really, to me, seems to be the problem. I won't get too political about all that. Now, another very interesting article that I wanted to talk with you about today is 
It's a topic that I've talked about before a few weeks ago, but I'm not going to let it go because it's just getting worse. And the topic is the Venezuelan Bolivar. Remember, I've been talking about the fact that once people lose confidence in a paper currency, it goes down in value. And I've also pointed out that since 1913, when the Federal Reserve Act took effect, the dollar has lost 97% of its value against goods. And the fact that if your house has gone up 1,000%, and if your wages have gone up 1,000%, then you know maybe you're kind of okay. The problem is, what if you don't have a house that goes up to four or $500,000 value? What if you don't have wages that have gone up from 10 times what they were way back when. I remember coming across some old income tax returns from the 1950s in some files I was cleaning out. And the income back then that was normal was like four or $5,000 for the year. And now a lot of people make that much in every two weeks. It's not unusual for the, in the average earnings of 40 or 50,000 which is not even that far above poverty level if you have a family of 4 or 5 that amount of earnings is on, is still 10 times what it used to be so just 60 years ago everybody made a living most people were able to afford a, a, a reasonable house and most families were able to go on a one income earner and have one parent at home and that was on five or 6,000 a year. So that's how inflation hurts people. Now, the other big way inflation hurts us, I'll include me and you, the tax brackets are, they go from low to high. The more income you have, the higher the bracket you hit. Well, when they first started this income tax, the major income tax overhaul was 1954. There were tax brackets all the way from like, I think 11% up to 50%. But the thing is, is that back then, if you earned $5,000 as a family, you were in the 11% bracket. So that was your tax rate. Well, look what happened between 1954 and the next major tax overhaul, which is in 1986. 32 years and inflation pushed everybody's income to 10 times that old amount. So in the 1950s, the family made $5,000, but they were in 11% tax bracket. In the 1980s, they were making forty dollars or $50,000, but all of a sudden they're in like a 28, 30% tax bracket. That's how they get you. And I'll just say they, that's how the system gets us as taxpayers. Inflation is not your friend it can work on certain things. You can get lucky on certain things. But overall, inflation hurts the value of the currency that you saved your money in. If your money's in the bank right now in dollars and the bank's paying you virtually zero in interest, what does that mean? It means that if there's any inflation, you're actually losing money. In the old days, people in the 1970s when interest rates were high if they did have $100,000 in the bank, they could earn 15% with treasury bonds. But nowadays, even though there is still inflation, they're not paying any money on interest. So it's you're basically losing money on the money in the bank. Now, I'm not a financial advisor. I am a financial advisor. I'm not a licensed financial advisor. I don't earn commissions. But if you ask me, it's a little bit silly letting the bank hold your money and they pay you zero. And if something does happen to that bank, they may not pay you at all. The old saying, I believe it's been accredited to Mark Twain, but I've also heard it credited to Benjamin Franklin, is I'm not so concerned about the return on my money. I'm concerned about the return of my money. And that's what everybody needs to think about these days. So I remember a month or two ago, I was discussing the Venezuelan Bolivar. And at the time, I remember that it could buy uh, 11 or 14,000 Bolivars. And now, let me see. 
whatever it is, it's about four times less now than it was a month or two ago. So basically what we have here is we have the currency devaluating to near zero in Venezuela. Shelves are cleared of things to buy. There's no way to get things you need for your family, and it's just a mess. So I do encourage you to look up articles and read about Venezuela's currency problems right now because they are it's not getting any better and once once these things start going south as they say there there's a there's really hard to even assume that it's going to turn around it's a very scary thing and this down there this bolivar is really really fallen the the chart in this article it's another article from Zero Hedge, it's called Venezuela's Grim Reaper, a current inflation measurement, current annual rate 2,800%, which means that something that costs a dollar right now, a year later will cost $28. That's what 2,800% means. That's not good if you are in Venezuela and I just feel sorry I feel sorry for those people it was a very rich country with a lot of oil but it hasn't done well and their currency is going down down the tubes not good now my next topic today is the whole world of what's called cryptocurrencies I mentioned it a couple weeks ago I personally finally dipped my foot in the water, and I got to admit I'm late. What's interesting is while I was planning on printing some things to talk about today, I had an email from an old client that I haven't heard from in a couple of years, and I wonder why I didn't hear from him, but people come and go. You never know why. They move. They pass away. And this person says, what can I do tax-wise I have over $300,000 in cryptocurrencies. And then I, while I was reading on, I was thinking, well, that's interesting. But the purchase price of those cryptocurrencies was $200. So this person has made 2,000 times their investment in these cryptocurrencies. The tax ramifications are interesting. I'm going to look this up because they'll be the first client that I've helped that's actually cashed in a cryptocurrency profit and I need to look up what the latest tax rules are. I believe if this person is in Bitcoin, the government has specifically come out and said Bitcoin gains are taxable as investment gains. I, To be honest, I, I have to look that up. I haven't yet dealt with it, but I will be ready by the end of this year because I need to look that up. What's interesting is that since I started my little foray into cryptocurrencies, which is on a very small scale, the cryptocurrency that I purchased called Litecoin has actually gone up by about 40 or 45% since I bought my first small installment of it. So I'm definitely getting hooked on this thing. It's kind of sad because I spent a lot of years uh, investing in some silver and gold, and it just goes nowhere. It's done okay, but it's really gone nowhere. Meanwhile, if I had have been putting money into these cryptocurrencies, I could be making millions of dollars. So it's just one of those things where I'm definitely interested in this thing. And if I did get in late, well, you know, I'm not going to risk my life savings on it, but I sure think it's worth a look. We're going to talk a little bit more about cryptocurrencies later, but while I'm on the subject of gold and silver, I just have to tell you that though the price seems to be low, the metal itself is getting rarer by the minute. What's happening is the United States, the place where they trade physical metal, supposedly, is called the COMEX which is the Commodities Exchange in New York. But it turns out that that COMEX is not really a physical market. In other words, 
if you look at the fine print, when you buy a futures contract, let's just say you buy a futures contract for 100 ounces of gold, which is the standard amount of gold in a futures contract, you don't have the right to demand 100 ounces of real gold. There's small print that basically makes you take paper profits for your gold. When, I, when we come back from the upcoming break, I'm going to discuss the fact that there may not be physical gold in the exchange that claims to have it there for you when you, quote, buy paper gold. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. I'm not going to get too overly technical because, to be honest, it's very confusing and I'm not an expert. But I have been reading this for a long time and I'm going to fill you in on the deal. So stay tuned. We'll be back for more business buzz in just a little bit. KKXX is excited to present Seeds of Truth with Joe Holcraft. Each weekday evening, Joe has hosted the Catholic Hour every weekend for the last eight years. And Seeds of Truth promises the same Catholic understanding of sacred scripture, contemporary faith-based topics, and the latest news from around the world. If you have questions about faith, join Joe and the Seeds of Truth right here on KKXX each evening, Monday through Friday. Protection Plus says the right to bear arms is a Second Amendment privilege. Protection Plus stands proud and firm for those foundations of freedom. Freedoms that still ring true today. That message from Protection Plus in Paradise. Your full-service certified NRA training professionals in all aspects of firearms. For more information, call Protection Plus at 530-872-9457. That's 530-872-9457. Protection Plus, reminding us that we live in the land of the free. Thanks to our brave. Praise the Lord. I'm Sharon Knotts inviting you to join me and my dad, R.G. Hardy, on The Sound of Faith, mornings at 10, here on KKXX. If you are drawn to inspirational preaching, informative in-depth teaching, and biblical perspectives to current issues under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then Sound of Faith is perfect for you, because we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 10 o'clock weekday mornings here on KKXX, Chico's Christian Radio. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA here. Interesting article from a couple of days ago from a gold and silver analyst named Harvey Organ. He's a Canadian guy. You can look up Harvey Organ and see a lot of his writing. He keeps track of every little thing that goes on with these gold and silver contracts. He counts them. He he sees that they're balancing them up. He sees where the silver's going. And what it is, is there's a thing called an exchange of futures for physical, which is called an EFP. And what's happening is, I'm going to try to explain this as good as I can, because it is kind of confusing, and I'm trying to figure it out right here. Um, Monstrous 21,428 EFPs, which is exchange for futures for physicals, transferred out of the COMEX and lands as a forward in London. So what that's saying is there's like 100 million ounces desired by people who are long the silver in their paper contracts, but the COMEX, which I was saying is the U.S. version of the physical market, supposedly, doesn't have silver. So it, it transfers as a liability where London, where London is the biggest place in the world for physical metals transactions like gold deliveries. And it turns out that the EFPs are being issued to where the COMEX can't handle this load for fi- any physical silver. So it turns into a liability in London. So... What's happening is that even though the price of silver and gold is low right now on the spot paper market, 
the physical metal itself is scarce. I won't go into it in detail, but there's a thing called backwardation. The rule for a, for a commodity like gold or silver is that since they don't spoil, and in fact gold is an element that doesn't even tarnish, it doesn't mix with anything, it just stays as gold. That's why most of the gold ever mined in the world is still above ground. This gold and silver, it doesn't, I'm just trying to figure out the way I need to put this. The physical gold and silver is not in these exchanges. And the trading that goes on, it looks like it's at a low price, but you and I can go in and buy an ounce or five ounces or 10 ounces of silver or a couple ounces of gold and have no problem getting it. But the wealthy people who need to put, you know, millions of dollars into a bunch of gold, they're paying about twice as much per ounce that as that listed price that they say the price is. So like I've been harping on a while back, everybody should have a small amount of their portfolio in some physical gold and silver because in case your money in the bank goes down like it's done in Venezuela, the gold and silver portion will definitely go up to keep, to keep track. And like I've told people before, a silver quarter from 1964 would buy a gallon of gas in 1964, and it'll still buy a gallon of gas today. In most places in the country, it'll buy more than a gallon of gas. But even in California, it'll buy a gallon of gas because they're going for about $3.25 a piece, and a gallon of gas is still close to 3 right now, even though it's creeping up. It's like, what's that all about? That gas price is kind of a bummer too. But then again, remember, we had the 12-cent state tax that popped it up in the middle of November. So, Or it might have been November 1st. So my next segment, I told you we would come back to talking about cryptocurrencies. One of my favorite authors that I read some for you, and I've got some more today because I think he's very prescient in his analysis is Egon von Greyers from Switzerland. And I just want to tell you, number one, his latest article talks about the cryptocurrencies. And he, being a gold guy over in Switzerland, he's calling the cryptos the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. Now, I, in a way, kind of agree with him. But the reason I'm interested in the cryptocurrencies is... I'm now seeing people that I know getting rich from trading these things. And if they play their cards right and take some money off the table, when you've heard that expression, play with the casino's money, that person who emailed me and they've got over $300,000 of cryptocurrencies that they started with $200, if, if he were me right now, I would probably liquidate half of them and put it into some, probably some physical metal, maybe even buy some land with it, because that will lock this up in case this is a Ponzi. So I'm going to read to you the other side of the story about cryptocurrencies from Egon von Greyers, who I respect totally as a smart guy. And here's what he says. The biggest Ponzi scheme in modern history? Question mark. Total value of cryptos are $300 billion dollars up from $14 billion one year ago. Now let's stop there for a second. There's 20 times more dollars in cryptocurrencies than there was one year ago. How many markets do you know that have that going on? If you looked at Apple or Facebook or some stocks like that, you might find that they've gone up double in market cap is what they call this. But the cryptocurrencies are up 20 times in one year. To me, that means that this is a train leaving the station. It may or may not be too late to get in on it. I'm not sure, but I can guarantee it won't last forever. There's not enough money in the world to keep the 20 to 1 going, but it definitely could continue for a while, and that's what I'm interested in. So let me continue. Cryptos are the biggest Ponzi scheme in modern history. It is very similar to chain letters or pyramid schemes. 
The issuers make tons of money as well as many of the speculators who get in early. In the end, the whole thing will collapse and late entrants will lose everything. Okay, I'm going to stop there again. Like I said, I may be a late entrant. You, if you listen to me and go out and buy some, which I'm not telling you to do, I'm just telling you what I'm investing in, you may be a late entrant, but you may not be. Like all mania, I'm continuing, like all manias, cryptos can climb a lot higher, but it is the kind of bubble which is created at the end of an economic era. Most of the participants believe that cryptos will replace fiat money and even gold. Uh, remember here the word fiat means let there be, like let there be light. Fiat means let there be money. In other words, let's print paper money with no intrinsic value. Most of the participants believe that cryptos will replace fiat money and even gold. In my, This is uh, Egon von Greyer's talking here. In my view, there is little chance of that, but I am not going to go into detail about that for now. Anyone interested will find unlimited articles on Bitcoin versus gold. Cryptos are no different than tulip bulbs. Now, I'll stop there for a second just to make sure you know that if you haven't heard of the tulip mania in Holland, I believe it was in the 1600s, what he's referring to is at one point in Holland, there were some Dutch people who were bidding up the price of a tulip to like astronomical amounts, and then the bubble burst and they lost all their money. And tulip mania is a big famous, if you ever read about bubbles, you'll always hear something about tulips, because that's a famous uh, bubble from the 1600s. So I'll continue. You cannot create real money out of thin air and then see it double every few weeks. The problems are numerous, such as security, regulation, taxation, speed of transactions, false markets, etc. Prices go up on very little volume. Also, from what I understand, the crypto market will not withstand any selling pressures at all. A small volume of persistent selling will take the price to zero. Time will tell. Like all manias, cryptos can go a lot higher. But when the music stops, the crypto market will go back to where it started, which is zero. And then he goes on to say, the blockchain technology, which is kind of the basis of Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies, which is not new, is likely to find numerous applications in many areas such as commerce, science, etc. But cryptos must not be confused with gold. They have virtually nothing in common with gold. One is an electronic entry and the other is a scarce element, which is the only real money that has survived for 5,000 years. It is extremely unlikely that Bitcoin will replace gold as money for the next 5,000 years or more. I know a lot of gold, this is a continuing with Egon von Greyers. I know a lot of gold investors are tempted to buy cryptos instead of gold. Greed drives people to make rash decisions by chasing instruments that appreciate rapidly in value. I will continue as soon as we get back from the break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn will be right back in a moment. Hi, this is Rob Walter, host of Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is a program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness and where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Join me at 7 a.m. on KKXX. Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. here on KKXX. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dickus. Americans experienced the horror of the Las Vegas shooting and are still asking why. We've been outraged by the decades-long sexual abuses of Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein and are asking why. Now we have the shooting which killed 26 souls in a small Texas church, and we are asking why. Well, America has systematically removed Judeo-Christian restraints on behavior by taking prayer from the schools, legalizing the abortion of millions, and generally degenerating those of faith. When the rules and standards are removed, what do we expect the outcome to look like? 
The Pacific Justice Institute provides legal representation to individuals without charge. Learn more at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. Feedthepig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to sell all your belongings and live in a commune. These dungarees belong to all of us now, Tom. You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman! You just need feedthepig.org. Don't get left behind. Get tips and tools at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA, helping you navigate your way through this crazy economy that just never seems to go away. I noticed today the stock market was up by 250 points. Uh, The Dow, that's the one they love to pump up. I'm going to continue a little bit more with this cryptocurrency discussion, and then we're going to talk about the real economy and what's going on with your, your money. So this is from Egon von Greyers again, just a little bit more. You need to know this. He says, I know a lot of gold investors are tempted to buy cryptos instead of gold. Greed drives people to make rash decisions by chasing instruments that appreciate rapidly in value. The NASDAQ, that's the uh, .com stock exchange. The NASDAQ during 1988 to 99 is a good parallel. That market kept on doubling until every amateur investor was up to his eyeballs in what turned out to be many worthless tech stocks. Then the NASDAQ collapsed 80%. The difference with most cryptos is that they will decline by 100%. For anyone who wants to preserve wealth, now is a good time to sell cryptos and buy gold. It could turn out to be the trade of the century, but even if it isn't, There is no better form of insurance against the coming global problems than physical gold and silver. So that's from Egon von Greyers. And I'm going to get back to his discussion of the rest of the economy in just a minute. But I do want to mention that if you figure out a way to take your dollars or just a few of your dollars that are earning zero in the bank, like that client of mine I was telling you about that I got the email from, and invest $200, and probably five years later, you've got 350000 There's no harm in doing that as long as you get out and take some profits. One of my favorite expressions is, no one ever went broke taking a profit. When a client of mine calls me about their Palo Alto home that they invested in for $1.2 million, and it's now worth about $3 million, I don't hesitate if they ask. I I also have a policy. I do not give an opinion unless I'm asked. Now, on the radio, of course, I have to give an opinion or I wouldn't have that much to talk about. But in private life, in my business, when I'm talking with clients, I do not give opinions unless they ask me. I am the worst market timer of all time. I was telling people that the stock market was a bubble couple of years ago when it was about two-thirds of where it's at right now. I am not a market timer and I don't pretend to be. But if a client asked me, what do you think I should do when they paid $1.2 million for a home in the, in the Bay Area and it's now worth $3 million, uh, what else can I say? No one ever went broke taking a profit. But I have seen people go broke holding on to profits that disappear. So that's what we're going to talk about next. This article from Egon von Greyers is called The Trade of the Century and Why the Public's Money in Banks Will Be Incinerated. So he says here, and this is just from uh, yesterday's, uh, I get this off of a website called kingworldnews.com, and you can find his articles there. Unfortunately, the world has reached the point where the future will be a global bust and collapse. During the 2006-9 financial crisis, a collapse of the global financial system was avoided by massive money printing, central bank guarantees, allowing banks to value assets at cost rather than market, 
and a panic lowering of interest rates from a high of 6% in the U.S. to zero or even negative in some cases. I'm going to interject here. I'm a CPA, and one of the things I have to keep up with is called the FASB, uh, Financial Accounting Standards Board, where they come out with these various rules uh, for how to do accounting. In about 2010, banks were allowed to not list their assets on their balance sheet at market. They were allowed to list them at cost, which means that if they bought a junk bond that they paid $100 million for, but now it's only worth $50 million, they are still allowed to list it under the almighty accounting rules that we're all supposed to live by. They're still allowed to list it at $100 million, even though if they went to sell it, they would only get $50 million. That's what this mark-to-market is all about. And the whole system, the whole system is set up to make you think your money's safe. So I'm going to continue here with this article. Oh, in this article, if you can go to that kingworldnews.com, you'll see in the article he shows a chart of negative bond yields as of right now, and more than half of this chart is negative bond yields. In Switzerland, bonds all the way out to 30 years are negative. In other words, if you want to take your money and invest in the safety of a Swiss bond, you'll actually pay for the privilege even disregarding inflation. If you buy a $100,000 bond at a negative 1% rate, a year later you will have 99000 if you cash it out. Is that amazing? It's called negative yields. And most of the world is under these negative yields. This list shows the ones that are mostly negative yields. Switzerland, Germany, Japan, Sweden, Netherlands, and France are all negative yields up through eight years or higher of bonds. Spain and Italy are just negative through three and two years. Uh, England and the United States are not negative yet, but it's probably coming to a bank near you. Okay, so I'm going to continue with this article. Whatever central banks and politicians say, nothing has been solved. On the contrary, risk has grown exponentially since 2006. As an example, global debt has now doubled to roughly $230 trillion. If global unfunded liabilities of $250 trillion and derivatives of $1.5 quadrillion are included, the world is now staring at total liabilities and risk of a staggering $2 quadrillion. Well, don't get me started, folks, with a quadrillion because I've already given you details of what a trillion looks like. And a trillion is tightly stacked dollar bills, and I mean tightly stacked $1,000 bills, from here to Redding, from Chico to Redding. So if you remember what it's like to drive from Chico to Redding and how long that drive really is, imagine that under your wheels is tightly stacked $1,000 bills. You know, a $1,000 bill, they don't print them anymore, but how long does it take to work for $1,000? It's not easy. Well, you would have from here to Reading, and that's one trillion. A quadrillion is 1,000 trillion. Two quadrillion is 2,000 trillion. In my opinion, tightly stacked $1,000 bills would reach halfway to the moon with two quadrillion of debt. And that's what the world's facing right now. He goes on to say, when the next crisis starts, which is very likely to be in 2018, what central banks will have to focus on is not just the global debt, but also the derivative bubble. Banks will argue that the net derivative figure is much smaller, but in a crisis, gross will remain gross as counterparties fail to settle their obligations. What he's talking about there is that these things called derivatives come to these, they add up to this quadrillion dollars but they're kind of interbank. So like Deutsche Bank will owe Citibank 50 50 billion from some contract, but Citibank will owe JP Morgan the 50, and it'll go in a circle between the three. Well, what it's saying here is that people will say, oh, that would only be 50 billion. You don't add in 150 billion. What he's saying here is you do have to take into account the gross. 
because each bank will not be getting paid their $50 billion. So three banks will all lose their $50 billion. That's $150 billion. So he says, but in a crisis, gross will remain gross as counterparties fail to settle their obligations. With this as the backdrop, central bankers must be living on a different planet if they believe they can reduce their balance sheets. Debt in coming years, where, whether it is government or private, will go up faster than any time in history. So he goes on to say, just look at the U.S. It is no accident that Jerome Powell will take over from Yellen as chairman of the Fed. If you didn't know that, there's a new Fed chairman coming in. His name is Jerome Powell, and he's just as what they call dovish as Janet Yellen. He will be a money printer is what he's saying here. He is a safe pair of hands and has been a Fed governor for five years. He is the perfect choice for expanding the Fed's balance sheet infinitely. U.S. federal debt is guaranteed to continue to double every eight years as it has since 1981. I would like to point out that who became president in 1981? Nobody but the great conservative Republican himself, Ronald Reagan. That's when the debt started exploding. I always cringe every time I hear somebody say they want a Reagan Republican in the White House, as if that would help. If you look at a chart of the U.S. debt, it didn't even start taking off until after Carter left and Reagan took over. So that's one thing I wanted to get out. Oh, and that's another reason why I don't vote anymore. Okay, I'll continue with Egon von Greyers. That means the U.S. debt will go from $20 trillion to $40 trillion by the end of 2024. Even the central budget office's forecast is not far from $40 trillion. But we must remember that this figure doesn't include what will happen to the U.S. and global economy in the next few years. And in Europe, Draghi, who's the, the chairman of the... Uh, European ECB, the bank over there, has now made it clear that the protection deposit scheme is no longer necessary. Now, anybody listening to me last week, I told you about this. Europe is getting ready to drop their version of the FDIC. They're getting ready not to insure bank accounts. Could it be that it's because they know something's coming? So Egon von Greyers continues, Thus, the ECB is no longer guaranteeing customer deposits up to 100,000 euros. This should come as no surprise. Now listen to this. This is what he says here. When the crisis starts, no depositor will get real money back from any bank. When the crisis that temporarily paused in 2009 resumes in earnest, there will be money printing on a scale that the world has never experienced before. That will be the time when the world will learn that the word quadrillion actually exists. I'm going to get back with some more helpful information for you right after the break. This is Harold Littlejohn. Stay tuned. How many animals were on the ark? This is Ken Ham on a mission to call the church back to the authority of God's Word. Unbelievers often mock the account of Noah's ark by saying there's no way Noah could have fit millions of species on the ark. But the Bible doesn't say Noah needed to take two of every species. After all, species is a modern word. Instead, Genesis says Noah took two of every kind. Now, researchers have discovered that kind is usually equivalent to family in our modern classification scheme, and Noah only had to take land-dwelling, air-breathing kinds on the ark. Including known extinct kinds, there are only about 1,400 kinds Noah had to take with him. Accounting for two of every kind and seven pairs of some, he only needed a few thousand animals. Learn more about kinds, the ark, and the flood of Noah's day when you visit AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again or share it with others at AnswersRadio.com.
Long-range missile reportedly fired this morning by Iran. 47,000 acres burned. The news lets you know what's going on in the world. But a few things you should know about most news outlets. They don't make money if they don't get good ratings. And they all know that bad news gets good ratings. A violent terror attack outside the American So the more console. they inflate the bad news, the more gripping a story can seem. Turn off all that bad news and tune in here. We have a positive approach to life and always good news. Listen here. You found Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA here. I have a caller that wanted to talk a little bit. Hi, caller. Are you there? Yeah. Hi, Harold. How's it going? Hey, Jim. Is that you? Yeah. Hey, cool. Glad you called. Well, listen, I just wanted to tell you that the real problems that Reagan uh, had to deal with started in the Carter administration. Jimmy Carter ran the economy right into the dirt. I mean, he, he's, he was an Obama light in the early days. And he just did his policies in terms of... Hello? Whoa. Hang on. Technical difficulty. Just a sec. Is that you or me? I think it's you. Nothing okay. changed here. Sorry about that. No, it's kind well, of... Let me, let me call back. That'd be fine. Thanks, Jim. Hi, listeners. We're back. He had a technical problem, I think, on his end. Anyway, I'm going to continue with Egon Von Greyers. Uh, Jim is a local contractor who listens regularly to the show. And Jim, you there still? Yeah. Oh, great, great. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Well, and then also Car- uh, Carter left um, Reagan with massive tax, massive taxes, high inflation, and just a dismal uh, spirit in the economy, very much like. Obama did last year, but Reagan came along and he had three things. He he wanted to restore the the uh, armed forces, which he did, which cost a lot of money, of course, and that led to the uh, the eventual dissolution of the Soviet Union. So, in a lot of ways, that money was well spent because we we didn't have to fight a war with those clowns. He drove them right under the waves with no, his you, spending program. You make you make some good points. I have. And a then, f- yeah, go ahead. Well, and I was going to jump ahead real quick to our our current situation with Europe and the uh, the European Union is is a massive socialist enterprise, and as we all know, Maggie Thatcher said, "Listen, socialism's all well and good, but eventually you got to run out of money." And that's what's <laughs> right. going on. I like that one. <laughs> United States, United States is, is leaning in, into the socialism curve now, and we're experiencing the same uh, massive debt that Europe has already incurred because of their social policies. And a lot, like uh, a freshman, can retire at fifty. Well, do you, do you think do you do you think we're kind of heading down that same road ourselves? I mean, we've got the big debt growing. That's that's why I think Trump is it's interesting choice to lead to leave the country because we've got to get a grip on. Uh, I I don't have much confidence that even he could do it, but I mean this this is a spiritual battle. No, <laughs> no, the I, Lord Almighty that yeah. makes some big moves in this economy to try to you know put us back on a uh, an a capitalistic basis. Right. And well, you know they. I, the thing I was thinking during the break was think when I was thinking about Reagan through now, I still am holding out that hope that we've talked about before that Trump is going to actually make some sort of fundamental difference here and do something to, you know, turn this giant ship around. But like you say, it's so difficult. I mean, when you have this much debt, remember, like I said before, if that 2% interest on 20 trillion goes to six we're dead yeah. in the water you know yeah i know i know it's it's just it doesn't sound like there's a solution but uh we carry on harold <laughs> no no and, and well the main thing is is that there's foot soldiers like us you know we're down here working every day keeping things rolling yeah. and we're spending we're making money but we're spending money you know if everybody could get back to work and you know really 
do everything they're doing, uh, even if taxes change a little, you know, maybe we could slowly pull out, but it's, it's yeah, just too it's scary. I, you know, I, I have, I have hope that, uh, the Lord's not done with us yet and he'll turn it around somehow. It's like a, you know, it's like the old joke about the aircraft carrier. It doesn't turn on a dime. Right. The sucker takes a few miles to make a course change. That's right. So I'm hoping that's what it is. Well, you know, ho- hopefully the Lord is still looking out for us like always. We just don't see him physically, you know? Yeah. Oh, he, he's there all right. But <laughs> right. that's why we pray to try to figure out, try to become closer to him because uh, we're going to need it. It's it's going to be a bumpy ride, as they say. Right, States. right. In fact, uh, yeah, in fact, I was kind of reading on with this uh, this article, and uh, he's, he comes to a conclusion that with that debt, there's either going to be, and I'll just give this to you while you're here, because I don't want to read the whole thing. Yeah. There's either going to be printing money to a hyperinflation, like I was talking about Venezuela's Bolivar, or he says here, so can we avoid hyperinflation? Yes. That is possible if central banks are too slow to react as defaults start. We would then go straight to a deflationary collapse with a total failure of the financial system and a very severe and lengthy depression. So he's saying that either, and I kind of believe this because there's no way out of this much debt, there's either going to be the hyperinflation problem or there's just going to be a collapse where everything goes to zero. Well, I don't, I don't, see, I don't see deflation. I, that, that's kind of screwy. I don't understand that at all. But I will go back to Reagan's, Reagan's tax cuts and what happened with the economy. The economy, it tripled. And it, actually, the tax cuts that he installed set up the next 20 years of growth. Right, but the problem... Right, and, and all that money could have been used to pay down the debt. But guess what? The Democrat Congress took that money and wasted it. They just blew it on their, their social welfare program. That's what I was going to say. That, yeah. Reagan's tax cuts actually worked. But the and, tax cuts, in addition to all the increased spending, was the start of this giant debt spiral we're in. Well, that's that's because, you know, the, the electorate decided to... What, I don't know. I spent the money. Right. I'm not really disagreeing with you, but uh, yeah. it's still, you know, I don't know. I just, I just think that whatever he did, the tax cuts were really good, but he didn't solve this debt problem at all. So, you know. Well, it wasn't his problem. He can't spend the money. President, well, yeah. The president proposes a budget, and the Congress disposes it. And the Congress took all the money that those tax returns brought in, and everyone knows it, that they, they garnered much more money for the federal government, more than ever anybody ever expected. And they spent every dime of it. They paid nothing down. And, and this is happening again, and, but I think people are aware of it now. Oh, yeah. And Trump yeah. is trying to cut taxes so that he can grow he can grow the economy, and once the economy grows and taxes are lowered, you actually gain revenue for the government. It's that, just so that, simple, but you can't you can't tell a, a socialist that. Well, I was going to just I was they also think g- money's at the Safeway, you know, it's Safeway. Right. I was also you, know, gonna, you need. I was going to mention the big showdown. Isn't it December eighth that the government might have one of those shutdowns? Oh, you know, I hope so. I, I hope for. I hope now we have. A shutdown, but I, you know. No, I know a lot of, I, I read one guy, he says, I hope they shut it down and everybody can see how little they do. They don't do anything. No <laughs> one would miss right along. <laughs> the government. If it was gone tomorrow, no one would miss it. <laughs> and it's just, what does the government do? Oh. I think they just mail checks to everybody. You know, I laugh so, at this stuff because, you know, we're talking decades and decades of this silliness. And, yeah. you know, maybe people are starting to wake up. I mean, this whole sexual, uh, you know, these accusations and everything, it's yeah. disgusting, but I really enjoy people realizing that uh, things that I've been thinking for 30 years, these guys in the top are a bunch of, a lot of them are a bunch of crumb bums. Yeah, they're and despicable. It doesn't surprise despicable me at all people. that they're having these accusations, but you know. And finally, finally it's coming to light. Yeah, there's actually mainstream news, are. yeah, that, that these guys are jerks, and it's like, it's about time. And I think that just has to do with the internet is so big now, it's just unavoidable that people are hearing from different sources. 
Right. Anybody can be a reporter now. Yeah. And we a don't lot have of the... to listen to CNN or CNBC or any of those guys. You know, you go online and anybody with a phone can make, can go viral with a really interesting uh, blog. Yeah, know? I mean, it's a whole new world. And I think it's the yeah. – what I think, though, is it's dangerous now because the powers that be don't want to let go of that power. So they yeah, might do yeah. something silly, and that's what I worry about. And that's why yeah. I'm hoping that Trump is, you know, really – on our side and he's got good helpers with him because you can't beat this big machine alone you know i i agree and that's why everyone needs to vote for the right people carol <laughs> i you know i thought when i saw the phone line ring and i thought whoops that's what triggered it <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey I thanks, gotta get. I'll thanks talk a to lot you. for calling jim appreciate it thanks a lot if you ever need a contractor that's one of the smartest guys i know um Give me a call. I can refer you to some real good people, and Jim's definitely one of them. The uh, I've only got a few minutes left today, so what I wanted to do was touch on something that Jim just touched on. And uh, since we're here at the beautiful KKXX studios, which reminds me that it's a faith-based station, and my show doesn't always get into a lot of faith-based things, but talking about the big picture and how bad the economy could get and the trouble we could have, I like to bring up one of my interests lately to help you guys if you need any help. And a lot of you are probably churchgoers and you believe in Jesus and pray and all that. But what helps me a lot also is it's sort of a meditation, but it's more of a mind exercise that I use. And it's not really a particular prayer but it's what I, I call it mind-watching. If you decide to try to quiet your mind, a lot of people I talk to, they're like, I can't, I don't sleep good. I'm, I'm always thinking. What I try to do, because everybody has that problem, I have that problem. What I try to do is called mind-watching, and it's one step that really has helped me, and I think it might be helpful. I Call it faith-based because it's almost like getting back to your, like your spirit self. But what it is, is you say to yourself, I wonder what my next thought will be. This is one of the ways to get there. And you watch your thoughts as they come up. So what happens is you're stepping back and you're observing your own mind. Normally, when we get into our daily routine, the mind is just running our life. We've got this errand to run. We got to get to work. We got to pay the bills next week. So we never get out of that mind that's always thinking. So my biggest trick that helps me, and it's faith-based because it's sort of like getting back to your spirit side where you can really feel like you're one with everyone else is to do the first step, the easiest one, is called mind-watching. So you just quietly relax and you say to yourself, I wonder what my next thought will be. And that'll usually put you in that place where there's no thoughts. And you're, you might only be there for like a second. But if you can get that one second without thinking, and if you can remember that you're observing your thoughts, then when your thought comes up, you'll observe it instead of, I guess, believe in it. You'll observe it instead of thinking that's the reality. You'll just say, oh, I just had a thought about the Safeway grocery store I need to go to later. Okay, fine. I wonder what my next thought will be. And you say, oh, I just had a thought about the car I need to pick up at the, at the repair shop. Okay, I wonder what my next thought will be. And the longer you can get that one or two seconds in between the thoughts, the more you're going to actually heal yourself from your stress and your worrying and your concern with the past and the future and all those things. There's quite a few steps. I'm in the process of publishing a book called The Miracle Business Method, and that is one of the main steps in The Miracle Business Method that gets people working their business on a more spiritual, calm, uh, thoughtful method instead of going like a fire drill all day long like I used to do. So I just wanted to present that because here, like I say, at the 
beautiful KKXX studios on another nice day in Chico. I get wrapped up with these articles I read. I get wrapped up with the quadrillions of dollars in debt that will never be repaid. So I like to share with you some of the things that I use to not let things get to that point in your mind. Don't let your brain take control of your life. Overthinking is, I mean, constant thinking is one of the biggest problems that a person can have. So I just recommend stop thinking. So try a little mind watching, at least like when you lay down to go to sleep. Try a little mind watching. It might make you feel better and it might make those quadrillions not seem like such a big problem after all. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I look forward to talking to you next time. Have a great week and make sure that business is going great. Bye-bye. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. During this upcoming holiday season, Pogo's Pizza, I ask that we take time to remember our troops.